This is Jewish Board Talk with Cherie Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. No matter which direction you travel in this country, you are bound to come across a spur restaurant. This is not surprising because at there are over 300 stores around the country. But did you know that the first one was opened by Alan Amber in Newlands, Cape Town, and that Alan is of German-Jewish stock with his mother fleeing Nazi Germany? I'm delighted to have Alan as my guest now to tell me more. Alan, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thanks very much, Cherise. Alan, did you always know that this is the industry that you wanted to go into, opening of a restaurant? Absolutely not. It it came across, it came about by happenstance. Uh, when I left school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I did know that I didn't feel like going to university and studying further. I went, luckily, I was very fortunate, my dad represented a firm that manufactured carpets and upholstery materials in England, and their sales manager invited me across there for a year's training, probably hoping I'd go into my dad's business. That would never have happened, but I got jobs when I came back to Johannesburg, at which most, oh, they were incredibly boring. And then the army intervened and called me up. And the way to get out of the army was, as it so happened, to go to university. You could then get a much shorter basic training and follow-up training. So I went to WITS. And my dad was moaning at me that I wasn't studying hard enough. So I said to him, Dad, I'll get a job and I'll pay for myself and I'll pay you back for my first year. So I got a job in a steakhouse that had just opened up up the road. And the young guys who were running it on behalf of their uncle became very good friends of mine and I with them. And I just worked for them for years, actually, until my varsity was over. And then I went with one of them on a couple of occasions. We were very close friends to Cape Town on holiday. And I got another job after Varsity that bored me to tears. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to open up a steakhouse in Cape Town. There's a gap. I saw the gap. And then I went backwards and forwards to Cape Town for two and a half years until I found premises that were being built. And put into perspective, I was 24 years of age. I had very little money when I started out. I had next to nothing. My dad promised me he'd lend me double what I could save. And eventually, through just sheer good luck, but tremendous persistence going backwards and forwards six times from Cape Town, down to Cape Town from Joburg, I eventually struck it lucky and the guy was prepared to give me a lease. And then I opened in Newlands and I uh, I just want to say that uh, I opened many spurs in Cape Town and Clarkstorp and eventually we got to Joburg and other parts of the country. Um, I do want to talk about that, the franchise business to it. But just before we get into that, the, those early days of opening that steak restaurant, you'd worked in a restaurant, um, you worked extremely hard. It's quite a tricky business, the restaurant business, and it requires really hands-on management. Were you there those early days working throughout? 20 hours a day, including in that 20 hours driving my staff home late at night, sometimes three in the morning on a Saturday night, 
to places like Athlone, Heidefeld, Lange, Guguletu, on alternate nights, and I had a mini, and we couldn't afford a combi, we didn't have enough money, so I'd make two trips, the first to Lange, which was closer, and then out to Heidefeld, Athlone, and then I'd go home and sleep, and then I'd get up and go back and open up again. And in the first 18 months, I did have a partner, but uh, it didn't work out with him for a variety of reasons. But by then, we'd established a base because there were lots of young guys from university who worked in the Newlands branch, and a lot of them were taken with the idea of getting involved in the business. And so I was very fortunate. And I must add, Cherise, really, that when I was writing my book, which came out quite a while ago now, called A Taste for Life, which is a spur strapline, I realized just how deeply, deeply, deeply indebted I was to my Cosa staff who came in and worked really hard and showed great uh, acumen and drive and commitment. And it really struck me, I mean, I knew it then, but they were being paid to work was the way I looked at it. When I looked at it in retrospect, I realized how generous they were and how much of themselves they gave. And of course, I worked so hard um, that, that I set a good example, but I must pay tribute to those wonderful people. And then we're going to talk about the franchise, but um, I was reading one of my favorite murder mystery uh, writers, uh, Sally Andrews, and uh, her character, Tani Maria, is in Bella Bella. And she stops off at the spur in Bella Bella and she has a drink. And I'm thinking, oh, but I know that spur. It's so exciting. And the truth is, you know, you talk about your your, your branding of uh, people with a taste for life. It's become synonymous with, um, you know, the spur and, 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 and South Africa in so many ways. How does a franchise work? Okay, so... I opened the first run with myself and my partner's money, and we were undercapitalized. My dad lent me money, as I said. We were badly undercapitalized. But because we were so successful right from the off, because the decor in the business, which was made by a friend of mine, uh, and I helped him with the creative ideas of what I wanted in the decor, um, and the atmosphere and the design and the the hectic work with queues of people trying to get in and us trying to satisfy them by turning tables and playing the right music to get people to eat, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It was all something that was, it was symbiotic. It just occurred almost of its own accord, but obviously it was carefully managed. Because of that, I got people approaching me. They, want, they could see the business was successful. Now, the thing was, the people I worked for in Joburg, they said they'd franchise me. But then the most important factor was that they were going to send nine people to help me open up my business, and not one of them ever appeared. So we were left desperately short of anybody who knew anything about how to make it work. So the grillers were trained, they are chefs, were trained um, on the job. 
And luckily, I got, we had one guy who had worked in a kitchen before, and he stood us in good stead for a while, but he had a very serious problem with alcohol. So we couldn't keep him terribly long. So we were continually having to jump, and this isn't hurdles, this is pole vaulting. This is great heights. It was desperately hard, but it just worked, and we loved it, and uh, we worked all hours that God made. So what I learned from these people not doing their job was how to do the job. I'd learned the steakhouse by working for years in the steakhouse. I didn't know everything. I wasn't financially interested, to be quite honest with you. My partner was an accountant, so he looked after that for 18 months uh, until I bought him out. And um, I learned what was needed and what was the principal need was A, to be able to design a steakhouse, which I did for my own steakhouse because the original plans given to me by the franchisors weren't as good as the final plans because the spatial arrangement could be changed. And I did that before it was opened. The decor I had a big part in, but I knew that the fundamental, as it is with all businesses, because I'd worked elsewhere as well, and I'd worked long years in a steakhouse, was training. So when I got a friend of mine from school walked into Golden Spur one hectic Saturday night, we said hello. I said, are you here for on holiday? It was December. He said, no, he's coming to live. I said, oh, wonderful. What are you going to do down here? I knew he'd been training as an accountant, but he hadn't quite finished. <clears throat> Excuse me. So he said he's going to open a steakhouse. I said, oh, wow, where? He said, in Belleville. I said, isn't that amazing? The old mutual have just approached me. They've got premises they want me to take. He said, I'll take them. I said, I'll franchise. He said, can I help? Can, can you please help me, Alan? I said, yes, I'll franchise you. So that was how my whole franchise started on a busy Saturday night where we shook hands. He sat down and ate and left and we got it together. Of course, lawyers delayed the project getting a franchise agreement together. But that all panned out and we started growing from there because success breeds success. And the one in Belleville took quite a bit longer. It took about three months to really get going. Whereas Newlands got going immediately. And one of the reasons why it got going immediately was the day before we opened, we had to sterilize our ice cream machine. It was brand new. So we made ice cream. And I told the kids in the schools, Saks, Westerford, Rondebosch, et cetera, that if they came past after school, they'd get a free ice cream the next day. They came past, we, we doled out hundreds of ice creams, they went home, this was 1967 after all, they went home, told their parents, their parents came to have a look, so we took off with a very, very high interest rate, very high turnover of customers, and that had its downside because we weren't really quite ready, but we managed and people understood and they could see that we were trying our level best and working very, very hard and trying to please everybody all the time. So that was how the thing started in, in a very short sort of paragraph that I'm been talking <laughs> a long, short time. <laughs> um, Alan, did you ever consider making a kosher spirit? 
No, I didn't. I would I would be fibbing <laughs> if I said I would. I didn't. I'm sorry to if I disappoint you. <laughs> uh, um, Alan, you're obviously no longer w with the business, but the name is obviously associated with you. Going forward, do you see that as a problem at all? For whom? For you in terms of if the Spur franchise does not maintain the standards that you originally set for it. Well, look, it doesn't. Uh, I'll be quite candid with you. I mean, I don't say all of them do. One of the strengths of the franchise is that we train, train franchisees and then we check up on them. So franchisees should, because it's in their interest, they pay us a royalty, the profit goes into their pockets. Franchisees should be dedicated. What When people making good money over many years, they tend to get a little bit uh, blasé. They take things for granted. And, of course, the people who are now being sent around to the stores may themselves not have that original ethos inculcated into them because they're being trained generations later. And I know from personal experience that there's still some very good stores, and I think many and most of them, are still very good. But the excitement generated by extremely quick, extremely professional service, I don't see much anymore, regrettably. <clears throat> and I'm not trying to knock them. They seem to be doing well after COVID, which was a terrible blow. But COVID had a great upside. It taught people that you can't take the world for granted. So after COVID, restaurateurs started really um, polishing their boots again and working harder because they realized they had to because competition today is far more uh, in-depth than it was when I opened. I was very fortunate that the competition was thin on the ground, which made the fact that we ran, and I say we because I certainly didn't do it on my own, we ran an exceptional restaurant. It made the fact that we ran an exceptional restaurant even the more even more uh, exciting because people didn't know how restaurants could be. Alan, you've given great kind of insight into the starting of your business. I know this is very short um, interview in terms of what you've done and the other franchise you've gone into, but you have written a book and yeah. um, that book gives you a lot more insight. Do you want to tell me a little bit about the book and how we can get hold of it? Well, the book is available at exclusive and other bookstores and certainly available to be ordered if your local bookstore hasn't got it and you ask for it, they'll get it. It's called A Taste for Life. Uh, my surname's spelt A-M-B-O-R, which is like the color amber with an O, first name Alan. Um, it was completed nearly a year ago and uh, it, it's... Uh, being told, we were told by Tim Jacobson, I don't know if you know him, the journalist, he wrote a very, very cordial and, I must say, praiseworthy little anecdote, which is on the front cover, saying that it was an introduction, not just to a restaurant or a business, but to a rock and roll life lived by an entrepreneur who also had many stories to tell. And that's what people, I bump into people occasionally and they say, Alan, I read your book. And I say, oh, that's fantastic. And they say, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was filled with so many interesting stories. And 
I love to hear that, obviously, that people do enjoy it. And I think it's worth a read because it's got business ideas in it. And it's it's a story book. It's not just a business book. Well, thank you very much for sharing some of those stories with me now. Um, thank you very much, Alan Amber, the founder of The Spirit Restaurant. Thank you for joining me.